Chapters seven, eight, and nine of a Texas Cowboy by Charles A. Seringo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter seven Back at Last to the Lone Star State Everything went on lovely until the coming fall, about the latter part of November, when I skipped the country for good. I will tell you how it happened one afternoon a fire broke out close to the schoolhouse and as everybody was rushing by i became excited and wanted to go too to see the fun i asked the teacher if i could go but he refused in a gruff voice this did not keep me i made a break for the door and was soon lost among the surging mass of people the next heard of me was on the rolling deep i had boarded a morgan steamship and stowed myself away until the vessel was at sea where i knew they wouldn't land to put me ashore st mary was the name of the ship she lost one of her wheelhouses and was considerably out of shape when we landed in galveston texas it had stormed terribly during the whole trip during the few hours that the ship remained in galveston i put in my time hunting an old uncle of mine by the name of nick white whom i had never seen he had been living there seventeen years therefore i experienced but little difficulty in finding his place but after finding it i didn't have courage enough to go in and make myself known one reason was i thought he might think i was beholden to him or in other words trying to get his sympathy i just stood at the gate a few minutes viewing the beautiful shrubbery which filled the spacious yard and went back to the boat which by that time was just fixing to pull out we arrived in indianola one morning about sun-up i recognized several of my old acquaintances standing on the wharf before the ship landed among them was my old godfather mr haggerty who stood for me when i was being christened by the catholic priest they were all surprised to see me back. Mr. Haggerty took me home with him and told me to content myself until I could find work. In about a week I went to work for Mr. H. Selickson, who ran a packing-house five miles below town. He gave me fifteen dollars a month all winter. The next month's wages went for a fancy pistol, the next, or at least part of it, for a pair of star-topped boots, and all the balance on Monte, a Mexican game. There were lots of Mexicans working there, and after working hours some of them would deal Monte while the rest of us bucked. About the first of February I quit the packing-house and went to Matagorda, where I was welcomed by all my old acquaintances. From there I took a trip over to the settlement on the peninsula to see the old homestead. Everything looked natural. The cedar and fig trees were covered with little red-winged black birds, seemingly the same ones that were there when I left nearly three years before. After a week's stay in the settlement I went back to Matagorda and went to work for Mr. Joseph Yeamans, a Baptist preacher. My work was farming and my wages part of the crop mr yeaman's farm was a thirty-acre sand-patch on the peninsula about forty miles above the settlement our aim was to raise a big crop of watermelons and sweet potatoes but when i left everything pointed to a big crop of grass burrs and a very slim layout of sweet potatoes and watermelons the old gentleman and i lived all alone in a little dilapidated shanty with a dirt floor 
our chuck consisted of black coffee hardtack and coon or possum meat we had three good coon dogs therefore had plenty of fresh meat such as it was there being plenty of mavericks close at hand and being tired of coon meat i used to try and get the old man to let me butcher one now and then for a change but he thought it wicked to kill cattle not our own as some of you may not know what a maverick is i will try and explain in early days a man by the name of maverick settled on the lavaca river and started a cow ranch he being a chicken-hearted old rooster wouldn't brand nor earmark any of his cattle all his neighbors branded theirs therefore mr maverick claimed everything that wore long ears when the war broke out mr maverick had to bid adieu to wife and babies and go far away to fight for his country's good when the cruel war was ended he went home and found his cattle roaming over a thousand hills everywhere he went he could see thousands upon thousands of his long-eared cattle but when his neighbors and all the men in the surrounding country came home and went to branding their five years increase mr maverick did not feel so rich he made a terrible fuss about it but it did no good as in a very few years his cattle wore some enterprising man's brand and he was left out in the cold hence the term maverick at first people used to say yonder goes one of mr maverick's animals now they say yonder goes a maverick about the time we got our crops sweet potatoes melons etc in the ground i swore off farming and skipped out for town leaving mr yeamans my share of the crop free gratis after arriving in matagorda i hired out to a mr tom nye who was over there from rancho grande hiring some cowboys rancho grande was owned by shanghai pierce and allen and at that time was considered one of the largest ranches in the whole state of texas to give you an idea of its size will state that the next year after i went to work we branded twenty five thousand calves that is just in one season altogether there were five of us started to rancho grande to work all boys about my own age we went in a sailboat to palacious point where the firm had an outside ranch and where they were feeding a large lot of cow ponies for spring work it was about the middle of april eighteen seventy one that we all about twenty of us pulled out for the headquarter ranch at the head of trespalacious creek it took us several days to make the trip as we had to brand calves and mavericks on the way up a few days after arriving at the ranch mr or old shang pierce as he was commonly called arrived from old mexico with about three hundred head of wild spanish ponies therefore we kids had a high old time learning the art of riding a pitching horse we put in several days at the ranch making preparations to start out on a two months trip being a store there we rigged up in good shape i spent two or three months wages for an outfit spurs etc trying to make myself look like a thoroughbred cowboy from bitter creek there were three crowds of us started at the same time one to work up the colorado river the other around home and the third which was ours to work west in jackson and lavaca counties our crowd consisted of fifteen men 
one hundred head of ponies mostly wild ones and a chuck wagon loaded down with coffee flour molasses and salt tom nye was our boss chapter eight learning to rope wild steers arriving on the navidad river we went to work gathering a herd of trail beeves and also branding mavericks at the same time some days we would brand as high as three or four hundred mavericks none under two years old after about a month's hard work we had the herd of eleven hundred ready to turn over to mr black who had bought them delivered to him at the snodgrass ranch they were all old mossy horn fellows from seven to twenty-seven years old mr black was a kansas shorthorn and he had brought his outfit of shorthorn men and horses to drive the herd up the trail some of the men had never seen a texas steer consequently they crossed red river into the indian territory with nothing left but the grub wagon and horses they had lost every steer and mr black landed in kansas flat broke lots of the steers came back to their old ranges and mr shanghai had the fun of selling them over again to some other greeny maybe shanghai pierce went to kansas the next year and when he returned he told of having met mr black up there working at his old trade blacksmithing he said mr black cursed texas shamefully and swore that he never would even if he should live to be as old as isaac son of jacob dabble in longhorns again after getting rid of mr black's herd we turned our whole attention to branding mavericks about the first of august we went back to the ranch and found that it had changed hands in our absence shanghai pierce and his brother jonathan had sold out their interests to allen pool and company for the snug little sum of one hundred and ten thousand dollars that shows what could be done in those days with no capital but lots of cheek and a branding iron the two pierces had come out there from yankeedom a few years before poorer than skimmed milk everything had taken a change even to the ranch it had been moved down the river four miles to mr john moore's place mr moore had been appointed big chief hence the ranch being moved to his place about the middle of august we pulled out again with a fresh supply of horses six to the man and a brand-new boss mr wiley koikendall some of the boys hated to part with mr nye but i was glad of the change for he wouldn't allow me to rope large steers nor fight when i got on the warpath i remember one time he gave me fits for laying a negro out with a four-year-old club and another time he laid me out with his open hand for trying to carve one of the boys up with a butcher knife we commenced work about the first of september on big sandy in lavaca county a place noted for wild brush cattle very few people lived in that section hence so many wild unbranded cattle to illustrate the class of people who lived on Big Sandy, we'll relate a little picnic a negro and I had a few days after our arrival there. While herding a bunch of cattle, gathered the day before, on a small prairie, we noticed a footman emerge from the thick timber on the opposite side from where we were, and make straight for a spotted pony that was hobbled and grazing out on the open space. He was indeed a rough-looking customer, being half-naked. He had nothing on his head but a thick mat of almost gray hair, and his feet and legs were bare. 
we concluded to rope him and take him to camp so taking down our ropes and putting spurs to our tired horses we struck out he saw us coming and only being about a hundred yards from the spotted pony he ran to him and cutting the hobbles which held his two front legs together jumped aboard of him and was off in the direction he had just come like a flash the pony must have been well trained for he had nothing to guide him with a four hundred yard race for dear life brought him to the brush that is timber thickly covered with an underbrush of live oak runners he shot out of sight like an arrow he was not a minute too soon for we were right at his heels we gave up the chase after losing sight of him for we couldn't handle our ropes in the brush the next day the camp was located close to the spot where he disappeared at and several of us followed up his trail we found him and his three grown daughters his wife having died a short while before occupying a little one-room log shanty in a lonely spot about two miles from the little prairie in which we first saw him the whole outfit were tough-looking citizens the girls had never seen a town so they said they had about two acres in cultivation and from that they made their living their nearest neighbor was a mr penny who lived ten miles west and the nearest town was columbus on the colorado river fifty miles east as the cattle remained hidden out in the brush during the daytime only venturing out on the small prairies at night we had to do most of our work early in the morning commencing an hour or two before daylight as you might wish to know exactly how we did we'll try and explain about two hours before daylight the cook would hollow chuck and then mr wiley would go around and yell breakfast boys damned you get up two or three times in our ears breakfast being over we would saddle up our ponies which had been staked out the night before and strike out for a certain prairie maybe three or four miles off that is all but two or three men just enough to bring the herd previously gathered on as soon as it became light enough to see arriving at the edge of the prairie we would dismount and wait for daylight at the first peep of day the cattle which would be out in the prairie quite a distance from the timber would all turn their heads and commence grazing at a lively rate towards the nearest point of timber then we would ride around through the brush so as not to be seen until we got to the point of timber that they were steering for when it became light enough to see good we would ride out rope in hand to meet them and apt as not one of the old-timers may be a fifteen or twenty-year-old steer which were continuously on the lookout would spy us before we got twenty yards from the timber then the fun would begin the whole bunch maybe a thousand head would stampede and come right towards us they never were known to run in the opposite direction from the nearest point of timber but with cattle raised on the prairies it's the reverse they will always leave the timber after coming in contact every man would rope and tie down one of the finest animals in the bunch once in a while some fellow would get more beef than he could manage under those circumstances he would have to worry along until some other fellow got through with his job and come to his rescue if there was another prairie close by we would go to it and tie down a few more but we would have to get there before sun-up or they would all be in the brush 
it was their habit to graze out into the little prairies at nightfall and go back to the brush by sunrise next morning finally the herd which we had gathered before and which was already broke in would arrive from camp where we had been night herding them and then we would drive it round to each one of the tied down animals letting him up so he couldn't help from running right into the herd where he would generally stay contented once in a while though we would strike an old steer that couldn't be made to stay in the herd just as soon as he was untied and let up he would go right through the herd and strike for the brush fighting his way under those circumstances we would have to sew up their eyes with a needle and thread that would bring them to their milk as they couldn't see the timber i got into several scrapes on this trip by being a new hand at the business one time i was going at full speed and threw my rope onto a steer just as he got to the edge of the timber i couldn't stop my horse in time therefore the steer went on one side of a tree and my horse on the other and the consequence was my rope being tied hard and fast to the saddle horn we all landed up against the tree in a heap at another time on the same day i roped a large animal and got my horse jerked over backwards on top of me and in the horse getting up he got me all wound up in the rope so that i couldn't free myself until relieved by jack a negro man who was near at hand i was certainly in a ticklish predicament that time the pony was wild and there i hung fast to his side with my head down while the steer which was still fastened to the rope was making every effort to gore us just before christmas moore selected our outfit to do the shipping at palacious point where a morgan steamship landed twice a week to take on cattle for the new orleans market we used to ship about five hundred head at each shipping after getting rid of one bunch we would strike right back to meet one of the gathering outfits after another herd there were three different outfits to do the gathering for us we kept that up all winter and had a tough time of it too as it happened to be an unusually cold and wet winter towards spring the cattle began to get terribly poor so that during the cold nights while night herding them a great many would get down in the mud and freeze to death having seen as high as fifty head of dead ones scattered over the ground where the herd had drifted during the night it's a pity if such nights as those don't try our nerves sometimes it would be twelve o'clock at night before we would get the cattle loaded aboard of the ship but when we did get through we would surely have a picnic filling up on mr george burkhart's red eye mr burkhart kept a store at the point well filled with cowboys delight in fact he made a specialty of the stuff our camping ground was three miles from the point and some mornings the cook would get up and find several saddled horses standing around camp waiting for their corn their riders having fallen by the wayside chapter nine owning my first cattle when spring opened our outfit under the leadership of mr robert parton mr wiley having quit struck out up the colorado river in wharton and colorado counties to brand mavericks about the last of july we went to the home ranch where mr wiley was put in charge of us again we were sent right out on another trip west to jackson county it was on this trip that i owned my first cattle 
mr wiley concluded it would look more business-like if he would brand a few mavericks for himself instead of branding them all for allen pool and company so he began putting his own brand on all the finest-looking ones to keep us boys from giving him away he gave us a nest egg apiece that is a few head to draw to my nest eggs were a couple of two-year-olds and my brand was a t connected the t on top of the a of course after that i always carried a piece of iron tied to my saddle so in case i got off on the prairie by myself i could brand a few mavericks for myself without mr wiley being any the wiser of it the way i would go about it would be to rope and tie down one of the long-eared fellows and after heating the straight piece of round iron bolt in the brush or cow-chip fire run my brand on his hip or ribs he was then my property everything ran along as smooth as if on greased wheels for about two months when somehow or another mr moore our big chief heard of our little private racket and sent for us to come home mr wiley got the g b at once and a mr logan was put in his place now this man logan was a very good man but he was out of his latitude he should have been a second mate on a mississippi steamboat i worked with logan one trip until we got back to the ranch and then i settled up for the first time since going to work nearly two years before an old irishman by the name of hunky dory brown kept the store and did the settling up with the men when he settled with me he laid all the money in silver dollars that i had earned since commencing work which amounted to a few hundred dollars out on the counter and then after eyeing me a while said allen pool and company owe you three hundred dollars or whatever the amount was and you owe allen pool and company two hundred ninety nine dollars and a quarter which leaves you seventy-five cents he then raked all but six bits into the money drawer to say that i felt mortified wouldn't near express my feelings i thought the whole pile was mine and therefore had been figuring on the many purchases that i intended making my intentions were to buy a herd of ponies and go to speculating i had a dozen or two ponies that i knew were for sale already picked out in my mind but my fond expectations were soon trampled under foot you see i had never kept an account consequently never knew how i stood with the company after pocketing my six bits i mounted fanny a little mare that i had bought not long before and struck out for w b grimes ranch a few miles up the river i succeeded in getting a job from the old gentleman at fifteen dollars per month mr grimes had a slaughter-house on his ranch where he killed cattle for their hides and tallow the meat he threw to the hogs about two hundred head per day was an average killing did you ask kind reader if those were all his own cattle that he butchered if so we'll have to say that i never tell tales out of school after working around the ranch a short while mr grimes gave me the job of taking care of his stock horses that is mares colts and horses that weren't in use there were about two hundred head of those and they were scattered in two hundred and fifty different places over fifty square miles of territory and of course before i could take care of them i had to go to work and gather them up into one bunch 
a little circumstance happened shortly after going to work at the w b g ranch which i am going to relate an old gentleman by the name of kinchlow who owned a large horse ranch up on the colorado river in wharton county came down and told mr grimes that his outfit was fixing to start on a horse hunt and for him to send a man along as there were quite a number of w b g horses in that country as i had the job taking care of the horses it fell to my lot to accompany the old gentleman mr kinchlow to his ranch fifty miles distance it was bright and early one morning when we pulled out aiming to ride the fifty miles by ten o'clock that night mr kinchlow was mounted on old beauregard a large chestnut sorrel while i rode a fiery little bay our journey was over a bald wet prairie night overtook us at the head of blue creek still twenty miles from our destination a few minutes after crossing blue creek just about dusk we ran across a large panther which jumped up out of the tall grass in front of us it was a savage-looking beast and appeared to be on the war-path after jumping to one side it just sat still growling and showing its ugly teeth i started to shoot it but mr kinchlow begged me not to as it would frighten his horse who was then almost beyond control from seeing the panther we rode on and a few minutes afterwards discovered the panther sneaking along after us through the tall grass i begged mr kinchlow to let me kill it but he wouldn't agree as he said a pistol shot would cause old beauregard to jump out of his hide it finally became very dark our guide was a certain bright little star we had forgotten all about the panther as it had been over half an hour since we had seen it the old man was relating an indian tale which made my hair almost stand on end as i imagined that i was right in the midst of a wild band of reds when all at once old beauregard gave a tremendous loud snort and dashed straight ahead at a breakneck speed mr kinchlow yelled whoa every jump finally his voice died out and i could hear nothing but the sound of his horse's hoofs and finally the sound of them too died out of course i socked spurs to my pony and tried to keep up for i imagined there were a thousand and one indians and panthers right at my heels after running about a quarter of a mile i heard something like a faint human groan off to my right about fifty yards i stopped and listened but could not hear anything more except now and then the lonely howl of a coyote off in the distance i finally began to feel lonesome so i put spurs to my pony again but i hadn't gone only a few jumps when i checked up and argued with myself thusly now suppose that groan came from the lips of mr kinchlow who maybe fell from his horse and is badly hurt then wouldn't it be a shame to run off and leave him there to die when maybe a little aid from me would have saved him i finally spunked up and drawing my pistol started in the direction from whence came the groan my idea in drawing the pistol was for fear the panther who i felt satisfied had been the cause of the whole trouble might tackle me suffice it to say that i found the old gentleman stretched out on the ground apparently lifeless and that a half hour's nursing brought him to he finally after several trials got so he could stand up with my aid i then helped him into my saddle 
while i rode behind and held him on and we continued our journey both on one horse he informed me after he came to his right senses that old beauregard had fallen and rolled over him we landed at our destination about ten o'clock next morning but the good old man only lived about two weeks afterwards he died from the effects of the fall so i heard about christmas i quit mr grimes and went to work on my own hook skinning dead cattle and adding to the nest egg mr wiley gave me i put my own brand on quite a number of mavericks while taking care of mr grimes horses which began to make me feel like a young cattle king the only trouble was they were scattered over too much wild territory and mixed up with so many other cattle when a fellow branded a maverick in those days it was a question whether he would ever see or realize a nickel for it for just think one or even a hundred head mixed up with over a million of cattle and those million heads scattered over territory one hundred miles square and continually drifting around from one place to another after leaving daddy grimes i made my home at mr horace yeaman's an old mexican war veteran who lived five miles from grimes his family consisted of two daughters and two sons all grown but the youngest daughter sally who was only fourteen and who i was casting sheep eyes at the old gentleman had brought his children up very pious which was a glorious thing for me as during the two years that i made my home there i got broke of swearing a dirty mean habit which had fastened itself upon me and which i thought was impossible to get rid of i had become so that it was almost an impossibility for me to utter a sentence without using an oath to introduce it and another to end it to show how the habit was fastened upon me mr parton one of my former bosses made me an offer of three dollars more wages on the month if i would quit cursing but i wouldn't do it horace yeamans who was about my own age and i went into partnership in the skinning business cattle died by the thousands that winter on account of the country being overstocked therefore horace and i had a regular picnic skinning and branding mavericks only those that looked as if they might pull through the winter to give you an idea how badly cattle died that winter will state that at times right after a sleet a man could walk on dead animals for miles without stepping on the ground this of course would be along the bay shore where they would pile up on top of one another not being able to go further on account of the water about five miles east of mr yeaman's was a slough or creek called turtle bayou which lay east and west a distance of several miles and which i have seen bridged over with dead cattle from one end to the other you see the solid mass of half-starved animals in drifting ahead of a severe norther would undertake to cross the bayou which was very boggy and consequently the weakest ones would form a bridge for the others to cross on my share of the first hides we shipped to indianola amounted to one hundred and fourteen dollars you bet i felt rich i never had so much money in all my life i went at once and bought me a twenty-seven dollar saddle and sent mother twenty-five dollars i had found out mother's address in st louis by one of my old peninsula friends getting a letter from sister our next sale amounted to more than the first 
that time horace and i went to indianola with the hides for we wanted to blow in some of our surplus wealth we were getting too rich when spring opened i bought five head of horses and thought i would try my hand at trading horses the first trade i made i cleared twenty-five dollars i gave an old mare which cost me twenty dollars for a pony which i sold a few days afterwards for forty-five along in may i fell head over heels in love for the first time in my life a pretty little fourteen-year-old miss cousin to horace and the girls came over on a month's visit and when she left i was completely rattled couldn't think of anything but her her beautiful image was continually before my eyes her father who was sheriff of matagorda county lived on the road to matagorda fifteen miles from mr yeamans therefore during the coming summer i went to town pretty often to get a new brand recorded was generally my excuse you see as she lived about half-way between the yeamans ranch and town i could be near her two nights each trip one going and one returning i had very poor success that summer in my new enterprise horse trading i was too badly locoed to tell a good horse from a bad one in fact i wasn't fit for anything unless it would have been a mail carrier between dennings bridge and matagora chapters seven eight and nine